This episode is brought to you by the Insurgents Experience. The Insurgents Experience is a ministry mastermind mentoring program for kingdom leaders. This is different from my normal mentoring resource, which is the Deeper Christian Life Network. The Insurgents Experience is a one-year high-level mentoring mastermind for people who regularly teach and or preach. This would be lead pastors, traveling teachers, church planters, missionaries, those who teach in Bible colleges and in seminaries. At the time that I'm recording this, I am working with 11 kingdom leaders, most of whom are lead pastors of churches who are in their 30s. If you're interested in the insurgents experience and want to learn more about it, you can go to ministrymind.org, ministrymind, all one word, dot org. That will bring you to the insurgents experience page. You could read all about it, and if it resonates, go ahead and apply. When registration opens, you will be contacted. Today, I have a word for struggling leaders, particularly those of you who are in leadership roles with other people. This could be a leadership team, a group of elders, a group of pastors and staff. It could be a group of brothers in an organic expression of the church. And by struggle, I'm focusing particularly on when you have conflicts in relationship. Now, depending on the conflict and depending on your particular role, role, a lot could be said about your specific situation, but not knowing it, I'm going to share with you a few spiritual principles that do not move and that will apply to any and all struggles that leaders have with one another. And this will certainly happen. We have a number of examples in the New Testament, but perhaps the most glaring one was when Paul and Barnabas parted ways because they had a difference of opinion when it came to the work. Now, the work in the book of Acts refers to the apostolic itinerant traveling ministry of raising up new ecclesias and strengthening and maintaining those that already exist. And Paul and Barnabas were both apostolic workers. They were sent. They had the sending of God. They were both prepared as brothers in an existing ecclesia. They were trained and prepared in that context, and then they were sent out to the Lord's work, i.e. the work of raising up the house of God. And they had a conflict, and in their case, they couldn't resolve it, and so they parted ways. Barnabas took John Mark, who was the flashpoint of the conflict, to Cyprus, and then Paul took Silas, another person with an apostolic call on his life, and they headed up to Phrygia, Galatia, and then eventually Europe. Now, your situation, we hope, can be resolved without having to part ways. Parting ways, I believe, is the last resort when all other courses of action have been exhausted. And I'm not sure that the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas had God's blessing on it, but his blessing was certainly with Paul and Silas when they headed out on that second apostolic journey. 
One thing we can learn from a parting of ways is that Paul never spoke ill of John Mark or Barnabas. In fact, just the opposite is true. He speaks well of Barnabas in 1 Corinthians, and he has a relationship with John Mark down the road, and he says some very kind things about him. So even though there was this split, so to speak, in terms of the work, they did not break fellowship and it was not a hostile parting of ways. I'll point you to John 13. And in the beginning of that text, we're told that, that the devil had prompted Judas to betray Jesus. And a meal was in progress. The Lord was with his disciples, his 12. And he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water in a basin and began to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, in that day, the washing of the feet was one of the ultimate acts of servitude. He was acting as if he were a slave. The washing of the feet. Now, this story shouts at us all about what a leader is in the kingdom of God. The one who is the most subservient, the one who is the most compassionate, but the one who knows how to lose. Uh, I have surveyed fellowships of believers, and I have anonymously given them a sheet of paper by which to write down who they believe the responsible ones are. In this case, it had to do with the brothers. And my question was, who is the most subservient? Who reveals the very nature of God himself the most by being a servant and by being compassionate and not making a show of it, not announcing that they are these things? And those particular brothers whose names are written down that fit that criteria were my candidates. It takes a lot of brokenness to make the house of God. And Jesus gave us an example and that example was that of dying. And the Lord himself said in John 13, I leave you with an example. The example was one of losing. It was one of laying down one's life. It was one of servitude. Only a servant, only a slave would wash the feet of another. And I am told, and I do not know if this is true, I've yet to have it verified, but if any of you can find this for me, that would be wonderful if it exists. It's one of those things that I heard someone once say, but I cannot confirm it. But apparently in the Talmud, a servant that is a slave of another person could be commanded to do just about anything, except if that slave master was a Jew and he was being obedient to his faith, he could not command his servant to wash another's feet. He can command him to do everything else but not that. Now, whether that is true or not, the point is that the washing of the feet was the lowest of the lowest in the area of servitude. I said a lot of brokenness is required to make the house of God and to see the kingdom of God expressed. And this requires the work of the cross. And I'm not referring to the atoning death of Jesus. I'm referring to the work of his cross in your own life. The bearing of that cross, the dying, the laying one's life down, the losing. And the Lord will bring 
various circumstances in your life, if you ask him for his highest and his best and to do whatever it takes to make you like him, he will bring things into your life that are almost unbearable. But by his good mercies, you will survive them. And when it's all over, you will not be embittered. You will not be offended at either him or anyone else, especially the people who are involved in the bloodletting, whatever shape or form it took. You will have survived in death, and you will still be following the Lord Jesus. Again, the Lord lowered himself to the point of washing the filthy feet of his disciples. And so you, dear brother or dear sister, butting heads with another, can't see eye to eye. There's conflict. There might be strife. There may be imputations of motives, bad motives, ill motives. You may be asked to be playing second fiddle when you have been playing first or you wish to play first. Brother, sister, it is only in the laying hold of the Lord's life and it is only by embracing his cross do we fully live. And it is a broken person who is able to lay his life down, her life down, and serve others without any other motivation but to please God. And this is especially difficult when there's conflict, there's unfair treatment, there's misjudgments, there's disagreement, there may be headbutting or stonewalling, but getting a brother or a sister broken is in fact a horrible experience and not something that any of us envy. But we cannot alter this. This is the way of God. I talked a lot about it in the book, Hang On, Let Go, which really is a dissertation on how to conduct yourself during a time of breaking, how to even read it that way, how to understand the higher look and perspective that you can't see in the midst of your trial or your difficulty. And remember that the disciple is not greater than his master. If he laid his life down and washed the disciples' feet, then all who follow in his steps will do the same, especially when there is a conflict in a leadership situation. I'm not talking about anything other than face-to-face -face relationship. The pain, the feelings, take it to the cross, take it to Calvary, take it to the Lord and keep it there now and forevermore world without end and i want you to know that i did not drop out of heaven with this morning's dew i have been around a long time i have had conflicts with other brothers in ministry situations ever since i was in my 20s and i can tell you this the cross does not sell well the agony of the brokenness that the cross brings to our basic natures doesn't advertise well and I have never met in my life a spiritual leader, someone who has influence, and that's all a leader is. It's not a title or a position. It's, it's something that's in the DNA of a person. They turn around, they see people following them. That's what a leader is. And there are leaders all over the New Testament, as well as the old. There's nothing wrong with a leader. Leaders are. A leader is. Period. But I have never met a leader in my life who had spiritual depth, who has not been shamed and brought down lower than he or she ever dreamed at some point in their life. Maybe more than once they saw that rodeo. They've been through that rodeo. I'll tell you something else about leaders. Uh, 
two characteristics. One, a leader is someone who people follow willingly and joyfully. And there's somebody listening to this who's saying, well, Frank, we're supposed to follow Jesus, not a man. Well, that depends on what you mean. If you mean we're not to follow a man above Jesus or contrary to Jesus, that's true. But that's a given, isn't it? Isn't that obvious? Paul said more than once, follow me as I follow the Lord. Follow my example because it reflects the Lord. A leader is someone who people see Christ in and they follow their example. And by so doing, they're following their Lord. And that's true for someone who doesn't have a lot of influence. If they are exemplifying Christ to you or they're sharing the mind of the Lord and you follow their guidance and their example, you are following a person via Jesus Christ. And you're following Christ through that person. So I think it would be good for you to drop this statement, whoever is listening who holds to it, we ought to follow Jesus and not a man. How about we ought never to follow a man or a woman who turns us away from Christ or who pulls us away from him or who gives us an example that is contrary to him. That's much better, it's more accurate, and it's more biblical. The other thing about leaders that I find absolutely fascinating is that a genuine leader will teach people things and those people will not be able to even remember that they were taught those things and influenced by that particular leader. I remember a man giving a report and he was saying that he was against one of the wars that was going on and he verbally made a case that went like this. Why do I want to go to that country and kill those people when I don't know them? I've never met them. I don't know their families, don't know their parents, don't know their siblings. Why do I want to go do that and kill people I have never met? Later, he came back and said, you know what? I was influenced. That line of thought and even those words were given to me by a professional boxer who I heard speak about this years before, and I did not make the connection. That's where I got it from. That's who I got it from. And it became so much a part of my own psyche and my own thinking, but I thought it was my own idea. That is the mark of an excellent leader. They influence you. They teach you things and you don't even remember or you're not even conscious that you got those things from that person. And I have watched this so often, it's uncanny. But brothers and sisters, it takes the cross of Christ, the working of his cross on our soul, our mind, will, emotions, to burn out those things that will stop the kingdom of God. Jealousy, ambition, worldly, earthly, even religious ambition, vengeance, retaliation, one-upmanship, desire for personal attention. And uh, if you are called of the Lord to have great influence in the kingdom, this is your future. And the question is, are you willing to lay your life down for your brothers and sisters? 
Because if you remain unbroken, you will be a danger in the kingdom of God. I guess one of the things I'm saying is that to be a servant in the house of God requires much suffering. Our spiritual ambitions, our hidden agendas, our desire for praise, and even gratitude are things that the cross of Christ will burn out of us if we allow it to. So let's come back to what I said at the front. You're having a conflict with another believer face to face. Are you willing to lose? Jesus Christ only wins when we lose. For a man who does not lose, but tries to save himself and his work, will eventually lose it. But the one who loses his life and his work will save it. Give the person rope, a lot of rope, and see what God does. Lay down your compulsion and impulse to win. To win at any cost, but simply to win. And leave it at Calvary and see what the Lord does. Oftentimes we get in God's way. He's trying to resolve something and we jump the gun. I have done this before. But there have been other situations where I played stall ball and I waited and waited and waited on the Lord. And I did not pick up any tools to try to fix the situation. And at the 11th hour, he came through and did what I never would have expected. So I say to you, remember the example. John 13, this is the way that the kingdom of God is built. This is the way it advances, even in small situations or large ones where there is conflict among believers. I hope this helps. Consider it. Hey guys, this is a postscript just before you head out and we part ways. I have created a bundle of free resources. This would include my other podcasts, the YouTube channel, several free ebooks, free seminars, and other free resources. And you can find all of that at frankviola.com. And if you go to frankviola.com, you will see in the top menu a link that says free stuff. You just click on that and you will be taken to the free resources page. Also, a number of you have asked if you could donate to help defray the costs of the podcasts and also to express appreciation for the value that you've been receiving. You're under no obligation to donate. I don't ask for donations, but should you have it on your heart to do so, you can go to frankviola.us. That's frankviola.us. And that will take you to a donate page. There's three different options you can use to donate, all of them simple. Thank you very much, and God bless.